Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 624 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. Joe, how are we doing today? Uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. It's gonna be it's gonna be a short show, don't worry. Uh, yeah, um, I'm not saying that for our listeners' sake or whatever. Um, but listen, after dark this week, hopefully <laughs> all a- the Hopefully all the audio issues are worked out. And, yep. It's a hoot nanny over there. Yeah. And everything else is worked out without talking about it, you know? Yep. 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 Uh, and I, I initially wrote down four Mississippi and you went five, like you said you were. Oh, well, that's what I do. I, I extend right. the Mississippi every time. Right. But, uh, would you like to know what we have on the show today, Joe? I would. A dark horse brings home another wayward son. A favorite creative team returns to a property, albeit briefly, a cover controversy that does not involve acetate, um, and an online marketplace that is only known to me because of toy selling grifters, maybe getting into comics, and uh, finally, <laughs> a tribute to Stan Lee's 100th birthday, but it might not be from who you think. Um, also, conventions. What we read last week, which is both Batman versus Robin number one and Do Power Bomb number four. What we're looking forward to this week. Todd and Joe have issues, aka the battle for second place, aka Todd and Go, Todd and Joe go rogue. Todd's art attack, and finally the return of Todd, Todd's art attack, and finally spoiler filled talk about She Hulk and Star Girl at the end, as we always do. So that's everything, Joe. Right. We got a lot to cover on this week's show. Uh, there was literally something I was about to look up online, and then you'd mentioned about, oh, and you see, and this is how this is how my mind works. Okay, right. let's start. Let's start the news off this way. Okay. So you mention a website that you only are aware of because of certain toy grifters, right? Right. Yep. So you say that, and that makes me immediately forget what I was attempting to look up. Um, which was from the other story and that is in regards to Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips uh, returning again as you mentioned albeit briefly to some of the criminal character universe stuff and the long and the short of it is is they are going to do like a little short story in the image anthology book uh, that's currently being published Mm mm-hmm which made me say there's an image anthology there's an image anthology book that's being published which is funny because i almost asked you if you were ever going to get it because the in- image anthology book has had jeff johns short stories that weren't um what's the the one that he does with the with geiger and gi robot or whatever that he does um I thought they were involved in it, but they're not. They're just random stuff. So I was like, ooh, like however much it is, I think it's like $6.99 or $9.99 for just one story. I, I wasn't right. gonna grab it. But for criminal, maybe I will. Yeah. And see, that's kind of like where I'm thinking of here. And I just kind of brushed over it in the December solicitations, of course, getting December's lists ready to go and so forth like that. Did this by some chance spin out of the skybound thing like how did this escape my purview like it's a 12 issue mini series but as you mentioned it's like 12 or six bucks an issue you know right i couldn't remember the price but yes but that's what skybound was and out of us we were buying it because that had the 
the continuation of the, the the Walking Dead story that that fake out from issue fifty or one hundred or whatever it was. We were getting that, and then there was a Kyle Starks single story in it for six sidekicks of trigger keaton and i thought that was going to end but then this started like i want to say shortly after that and because there was nothing in it that grabbed me um i wasn't paying 6.99 for so yeah i don't know i don't know if skybox was the the what started it skybox skybound x or whatever it was um, that's what started it but i think they're probably going to do this now because they know they can sell a six ninety nine book on one or two big creative story story people creators, and then the rest of the people will see their wares. That's probably the thinking behind this book. So. Yeah, because just as I'm looking through this, um, it does look like there were a couple creators doing like ongoing like little anthology stories, right? Um, you know, as you had mentioned, uh, there was a Jeff Johns one, there was a Scotty Young one, there was a Kyle Higgins one. But then there's like, oh, here's a preview of this book, and here's a preview of that book, and here's a preview of this. Um, and again, as you mentioned, um, if they're doing a criminal short story, even if it's eight pages, you know, a lot of the stuff, you know, I don't have any of the criminal stuff in collections. All my stuff is in single issues, and a lot of that stuff that's in those single issues don't get reprinted in any other collections. So. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's going to get collected in any other collections. So it's got to go in the criminal single issue collection, you know? And remember when he was doing that criminal, whatever it was like, the, it was the newer stories. And there was a couple issues here and there and he was trading them out of order. And yes. yeah. So like that, that right there makes me like, if I want to read this, this might be the only place I'm getting it to. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. So I'm grabbing it. I think the reason you haven't really heard of it is because it doesn't have any, it didn't have anything pushing it in like criminal. Now that's why you heard it before the last one was, it was all uh, Kirkman doing a walking dead story. So it was all over the news. People were talking about it, whatever it was, yeah. it was goofy and different, but there was no stories in this new one that were like, Oh, that, you know, jumped to our, however we would see it, you know? Yeah, and it's sad to say that Jeff Johns, like, I still check his stuff out, you know. Um, mm -hmm. I'm excited that he's doing JSA and Stargirl stuff uh, at DC this upcoming November. But, like, the fact of him doing an anthology story, you know, isn't worth the $6, $7 price tag, whatever it is these days, sadly, you know. Right. Like I said, if it had been Geiger involved, which I got in on and really liked, yeah. with him and Gary Frank, maybe – but it didn't seem like it was tied to any of that stuff. So Yeah. Now, you, I will say, tied to things. You do know the new book. I think it starts this month. This month. Next month. Junkyard Joe is the right. continuation out of Geiger, right? Yes. that was. I called that one G.I. Robot. But that was the, the DC comic. Um, yeah, I right. have that on my pool list. Right, right. I do just, you? You know, because it, it's very clear if you read Geiger... And you know the creative team, but it's like nowhere in the solicitation does it say spinning out of the tales of Geiger. It's just like, yeah, you know it or you don't. Right. The only reason I remember it, because when I saw it was that they had the people talk about it in the book. Uh, the And they had a, like a little backup. He was almost like either a comic book in that universe or he was on the bubble gum too. So they would do the little goofy comics in the back. Yeah. So when I saw it in the previews, I was like, oh, that's, I know where that's from. That's from there. And I was like, I'll grab it. Did you end up getting it for you? Did you get it? 
Oh yeah, it, it, like I said, I don't think the first issue comes out until October, but it yeah. is on my list to stop. That's what I meant to ask. If you were pre-ordering yeah. it, uh, whatever pre-order constitutes of, you know. Yeah. Uh, so back to how we got here, which is whatnot is getting involved in the uh, comic book business. Uh, this past week, uh, whatnot sent out a sampler uh, to a bunch of retailers. Uh, essentially just like a one, like a, essentially like an anthology book of like, hey, here's some of the stuff that we have up and coming. Here's some of the creators that we're doing stuff with. And um, honestly, it's like a bunch of weird, it's it's an interesting mix, you know, and people are launching stuff. You know, I think we talked a couple weeks ago about the Frank Miller verse, which is like Dan DiDio helmed or associated with or something like that. Right. Right. Um, so this has like a creator owned book. Um, that's like from a video game, another book that's going to be co-created and co-written by Wesley Snipes. Um, a music inspired sci-fi series. And then a book called alpha betas, which is, um, you know, related to an animation, uh, that I'm unfamiliar with. Um, but it has like 7 million views on YouTube and I'm like, I don't know what this is, but it's written by Kyle Starks. Right. And I'm a fan, you know, we've had Kyle on the show, but like, I never read no Rick and Morty cause I didn't watch no Rick and Morty. And it makes me think of like, should I check out this show to check out this book? Should I get a preview of it? You know, should I figure something out in that regard? I mean, I'm the same way because I never watched Rick and Morty either. I, I have a lot of friends who really, really like it. Um, and I never heard of this. But once again, I'm like you. It was like, okay, here's all the, the creators. And really, other than, um, like you said, Wesley Snipes, I didn't recognize, as, recognize anybody. And I'm glad he can get some time off the Vampire Council to do this. So, uh, But Kyle Starks is the one that grabbed me. So I'm like, oh, I kind of I kind of almost will read anything he does but i didn't realize that this was a a whole cartoon tie-in and everything but this at least this will make me look into getting this kyle stark's name alone so I'll right figure it i'll have to figure it all out <laughs> yeah so i'm just trying to find for later uh how to uh see about getting on the uh what not publishing uh gimmick site however yeah, yeah yeah gimmick site if you will sure make it a note for that for myself for later let's not get tied up in that now huh no no uh so uh just a follow-up from last week as well uh you know we had discussed stan sakai leaving idw bringing yusagi ojimbo back to Dark Horse um, and getting his own imprint over at Dark Horse as well to put out his own stuff. We'll just announce this week that Eric Powell, uh, most notably of The Goon, he had been self-publishing stuff under Albatross for quite some time. Um, yeah. I would say, um, and again, you forget how long The Goon has been around. Um but he had been, I think Albatross has been around at the very least since 2019, maybe if not longer. 
Maybe longer. I'm not 100% sure. Right. Uh, but as of this year, everything's coming back to uh, Dark Horse. Right. Um, but because, like, as we're talking, like, did you mention that he originally started as Albatross in 2002? Okay, right. So Albatross was separate. The Goon was still being published mm-hmm. um, uh, at Dark Horse. So it went from Albatross to Dark Horse back to just Albatross, and right. now it's back to Dark Horse. Right, because that just if threw me. I was following lo- that line. Right, I was just looking over, and you're like, how long? And that's what threw me. I was like, man, he's been doing comics since 2002. Yeah. I, f- I feel like The Goon is a new property-ish. Yeah. And, and, or and Eric Powell is a newer creator, and like, okay, no, Todd, 20 years ago, he's working, you know? Right. Uh, so, yeah, it's just interesting to see yet another property like this, you know, a big indie name creator and a big indie name property that was out on the self-publishing thing is coming back to Dark Horse, you know? Yeah, Dark Horse has that money now that they don't have to pay for Aliens, Predator, Star Wars, Joe. Well, they're getting Star Wars back, apparently. Are they getting, like, proper or, like, reprints rights? Uh, I th- so, at the, I know they're definitely getting reprint rights back, right? hmm But you know how, for a period of time... Um, okay, so for a period of time, Marvel was doing like their all ages books in house, and then they shopped their all ages books out to IDW. Right. And didn't Boom Kids have it for a bit too, or something? Okay, so Boom Kids had like not the Marvel superhero stuff, but they had some of the other Disney Muppet properties. Okay, that's where I was mistaken. Got it. Right. So um, the Marvel Kids line through I- IDW and Marvel Kids lines in general has essentially just stopped, right? Mm-hmm. So we did the story, and this was months ago, that Marvel was still going to do, like, a mainline Star Wars book that was called Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And they were going to do, like, maybe, like, one or two titles there. But any other Star Wars books that would normally be out through Marvel were now going to go through Dark Horse. Okay, I forgot about that because there are a lot of Star Wars titles and I get confused with everything. So, uh, you know, obviously, who knows what the deal is there between Marvel and Dark Horse. But, you know, we mentioned we we I wouldn't say that we were calling for their doom, but we're like in a short amount of time. They lost like Buffy to Boom. They lost Star Wars. They lost Predator, lost Alien. They lost all these things. And they're just like, no, we're just going to keep. Whittling away and get back what we need, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, well, good uh, for Dark, them. Yeah, Dark Horse back in it, if you will. Right. Uh, so, also, um, lots of DC stuff in the news. Uh, it's in the December solicitations. Uh, but DC is reprinting, recollecting their Just Imagine if Stan Lee created the DC Universe stuff. Right. In conjunction with what would have been Stan Lee's 100th birthday. Right. Beating Marvel to the punch on anything, I think. Yes. Now, did you ever read any of those Just Imagine Stan Lee creates the DC Universe? I did. I, okay. Kevin McGuire drew the Flash one. So I own it. Right. I may have read it all there's, those years ago. But I couldn't tell you anything about it. And I know I didn't read any of the other ones. And I actually believe I own a page 
of the Flash, uh, just uh, the Stanley Flash one with Kevin McGuire. But to read any of them, no, I, I did not. Did you do any of them? No, no, goodness. This was just um, definitely on paper felt like something not for me. Right, NFTs all around. Yeah, you know, like I, you know, I, I respect what Stan Lee did for the comic book industry. Um, you know, he was more of a personality than a creative force by the time like the late 80s, early 90s rolled around. And by the time this project came out, which I think was like sometime in the early 2000s, mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't like jonesing for the next creative output <laughs> from Stan Lee. You know, right. I wanted him to stand there and say Excelsior and, you know, it's really all I needed from Stan Lee, wear beige and be done. Right. It was uh, 2001, 2002. And when they do this book, uh, because Kevin isn't doing a story in there, I'm shocked that he didn't get a, a story in there in time. He's doing a variant cover. So I'll probably pick that up. And I was like you, I wasn't, I need to see the next big Stan Lee thing, unless it was Stripperella. I was right. all in on Stripperella. Uh, I forgot Stripperella was like his other creative outlet. Right, right. I, I wonder how much he actually had uh to like like input in that or if it was just uh you know a, a producer title if you will yeah it's like hey stan we're gonna give you a bunch of money and we're gonna have you take a bunch of pictures next to pamela pamela or anderson yep so that was 2003 so he was fresh off the hit of uh stanley imagines the dc universe right yes <laughs> like he was on fire it was his second golden age of stanley right there oh my goodness now, the reason uh, this is intriguing to me, of course, I'm sure you behind the scenes have been in negotiations for us to be the first to celebrate whatever Dan the Man Lee's uh, birthday is on the show, right? Right. I will be all over that. So I'm interested to see what his creative output is. He's doing a lot of like, because I was just on Facebook and I hate the way Facebook works because it mixes up. Like if you see something and you go back, like you close it out and come back, it's no longer there, but he's doing a bunch of Florida cons. Um, because I guess that's kind of where he's from, but I was really hoping that in the next two and a half weeks, he he'll put out on his uh, Facebook site that he's doing New York comic con because I won't get anything done other than hunting him down to both uh, get his marked photo with me and get a slight interview with him. I say good luck with that. <laughs> right? Yes. If I do, I'll drop box it immediately, Joe, from the show floor. Yes. Uh, and last but not least in the DC uh, universe, news, what have you. So this is one that came across the desk about three weeks ago. And I'm like, oh boy, are we the show to really get involved in this? And so what it was, was DC had announced uh, several covers uh, to honor uh, Hispanic Heritage Month uh, with some of their Hispanic characters. And uh, for an upcoming issue of Titans United, whatever that is, right? Mm -hmm. uh, artist Jorge Molina tweeted out, uh, that he got this assignment uh, from DC, and here's my inspiration for it. Um, and I get to draw Kyle Rayner, who's a Mexican character, and it's this homage to all this other stuff, right? Mm -hmm. 
and he tweets out what the image that he submitted to um, uh, DC was. And like, he's like, oh my God. He's like, I'm so happy that they decided to keep the Mexican flag in there. And, you know, all this stuff. And he was so happy and so proud and so everything else like that, right? Mm -hmm. So when the solicitation for the issue comes out, uh, the cover is changed a little bit from its initial design, right? Um, There is in the background like a uh, construct of like a bird with a worm in its mouth. The construct is gone. Um, Jorge Molina was right in thinking that they would have gotten rid of the Mexican flag because they did. Uh, they just replaced it with a green green construct flag that says Viva Mexico on it. Right. And uh, instead of holding uh, the Green Lantern power battery, uh, Kyle Rayner is holding a bag of tamales. <laughs> right. Uh, so Jorge Molina said um, in response to that, just saying, hard to keep my mouth shut on this. All I could say is one has my signature and the other one doesn't. Ooh, that's never a good sign. Nope, nope, nope. So apparently all of the Hispanic uh, Heritage Months that DC were promoting were showing some of their uh, honored and tributed Hispanic characters definitely surrounded by food in at least three instances eating or holding burritos or tamales. Yeah. Um... Now, I will say... That due to this outrage, and I say outrage in the kindest sense of the term, <laughs> um, DC did course correct uh, at least five of the seven that were coming out. <laughs> wow. Uh, two of them uh, still do heavily feature Hispanic characters, uh, whether it be Hawkgirl or, I'll be honest with you, I don't know the characters from Blood Syndicate, uh, still enjoying a hearty Mexican feast. Uh, but the other ones featuring uh, Renee Montoya Question, Bane, Jaime Reyes, um, whoever the female Green Lantern Jessica Cruz is, and Kyle Rayner, they uh, are no longer pictured with or eating uh, tacos or burritos. Don't forget about the tamales. Or tamales. Right. Now, I'm just going to go out. I'm going to start with one thing. If... Mar DC had come and said, we're changing the Kyle Rayner one, right? And not put the tamale, like, let's take the tamales out of this the, the, this picture for a second and said, all right, this is based on a, fa a famous mural by a, by a famous artist. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Because right. It, the, the Jorge Molina one definitely had specific um, uh, maybe, inspiration. Right. Maybe copyrighted stuff. I don't know. You know, so you can't look exactly like it. Maybe you have to take the, and they, they did the, if they did Viva Mexico instead of the flag, because that looks exactly like the thing. And then the construct definitely has the thing with the snake or worm in the, in the, in the, in the mouth, uh, the bird's mouth. That's right from the mural. And it's like, okay, we have to change this because we're selling them. I don't know what the legal is, but the tamales, right? Like really? Like that's the one where maybe I can't I can't get away with it. And I understand many cultures like their food is a big part of their culture. Everyone, but it just seems like is that the only thing you know about their heritage is the food? Like maybe you might want to do some I don't know research and find <laughs> something 
anything else? That's that's really all I got to say on it, Joe. Yeah. Uh, seems very short-sighted, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, like, oh, I'm glad that they fixed it, corrected it, you know, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's all. That's all. Um, just an interesting story to come across the desk is all. Right. I look forward to Italian Heritage Month and they just have all pasta covers. I don't know. I just, we'll see. I'm with you. I just, I don't get it. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to whatever their plan is, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that's the news. Uh, let's get into conventions this weekend. Uh, one biggie this weekend, I would say, is Memphis Comic Expo uh, in Memphis, Tennessee. And after our own heart, my own heart, it is all creators as high as the eye can see. Um, you know, nary a media guest of note in sight. Uh, Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, Mark Wade, uh, making his return to conventions after contracting COVID at the last one he was at. Uh, right. James O'Barr, Kyle Hotz, uh, Dennis Cowan, Kevin Nolan, Ron Mars, Colin Bond, Dan Brereton, to just name a few. Right. Uh, and did I see someone tweeting at us that they were maybe going to this convention? Did I miss that? No, somebody definitely did on the Long Box Heroes one. So I was looking to see where it was. Oh, uh, yes, it was Jesse DeYoung. Can only make it to for a few hours to Fans. Oh, no, Fan Salt Lake. I, is that the same one? I got confused there for a second as I'm reading this. Uh, but he's going to that. And Kevin Smith and Fabian Nisienz is going to be there. So I think that's a different one, right? That is a different one, yes. Okay, so I got confused. Sorry. Um, no, it's just that I saw someone popping up saying that they were going to one of the conventions this weekend. Right. And it is uh, uh, Jesse DeYoung. Uh, and that is uh, the Salt Lake, the, the yeah, Fan X Salt Lake City Comic Convention. Um, yeah, yeah. Cool beans. Uh, that has some folks in there as well, as you had mentioned. Um, so, hey, links to that will be in the show notes, uh, along with uh, information for Soon to Be Named Network at soon to be, soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. All the shows in the Soon to Be Named Network, anytime they go live, of course, you'd find them at their own individual feeds or through your podcatcher or whatever it is. But everything is going to show up over at soon-to-be-named-network.com, uh, whether it be this show, Long Box Heroes After Dark, uh, We Need Wrestling, Adults with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Wings on Wings, Porch Talk, Hit My Music, and after their bye week from this past week, <laughs> No Chance in Helmet returns. Yay, hopefully, yes. And anytime any of those folks from those shows appear on any other shows and they let me know, then they will definitely uh, be linked up there so you can keep up with all of your favorite members of the soon-to-be-named network. Uh, also, in the show notes, you can check out some of our friends in and around the internet. Uh, and that would be uh, Mike Sterling's blog, Progressive Ruin, uh, Kevin Hellion's blog, Mask Library, uh, Rick Williams' The Chop Shop. Jason Sandberg's Jupiter, Chris Front's Battle Monsters. Uh, those are two longtime listeners of the show that put out self-published comics. You can find the links to those there. Um, and I do want to throw this out. Um, 
you know, I know we talk about it, uh, you know, infrequently on the show, but Chris actually reached out to me because he had a question uh, in regards to uh, what our method is. I'm just throwing it in here in the middle of the plugs. Uh, what our method is for purging our comics mm -hmm. when the time comes. Um, you know, and obviously there was a time where, um, you know, I would go through things and I would take out whatever was age appropriate. And I would give them out for Halloween, but obviously the last two or three years that hasn't been an issue, um, whether it be COVID or working from home, right? Right. Um, a lot of times um, I, you know, essentially sell things for pennies on the dollar like I did at the yard sale last year where I just had like six short boxes, seven short boxes stuff out there. And I'm just like, yeah, one price, take them all. And he did. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there are sites that you could find online that kind of give you a little bit more real. It's a, it's a, it's a good way to catalog again, not affiliated with us, uh, not affiliated with the show or anything else like that. Um, but the site is, um, where am I looking for it here? Uh, it's mycomicshop.com. They have a, we buy comics option. I think if you go through, we buy comics.com. Uh, one, you could do kind of like a catalog of stuff that you're looking to get rid of. It's n a little time consuming. Um, but like I said, it gives you a realistic value of what you have, right? Mm -hmm. Um, it kind of gives you a heads up of like, yeah, you got a lot of trash and it ain't going to move, you know, yeah. you're going to be sitting, you're going to be sitting on this stuff from this date for a minimum of two plus years. Um, uh, but like I said, if you've got some hidden gems in there, if you've got some stuff, and, you know, you could turn it in for store credit through their site and buy stuff directly through them, or you could just get cash. And there was a time where I would, like, once a year go through the collection, log a bunch of stuff on there, and then check to see when I had a certain amount of dollars and be like, okay, hitting the button, printing out the list, boxing all those things up and sending them out. Right. And there was it. I mean, are we... I mean, we haven't done in a while. You could do it to like our retailer would take stuff if it was kind of in demand. But, you know, for the most part, he didn't need the filler. And then there was a time that we actually did a con with like a bunch of boxes and sold stuff or sold stuff for like super cheap, too. You know what I mean? But yeah. we, we're doing it just to replenish the coffers to buy more comics. <laughs> right. And so that's that's a great one uh, to do if there is a local small con in your area, um, you know, no big name celebrities, no big name whatevers. It's just a bunch of people come and selling their wares. Look at how much you have. Know that you're willing to part with it. And essentially, if you just want it out of your house, right? Mm -hmm. um, this is effective. This is essentially that episode of The Simpsons where uh, Homer was trying to get rid of the trampoline and he just put it out in front of the yard. Right, the trampoline. And turned his back and someone stole it immediately. Mm -hmm. So if you know what you have and you know that you're willing to part with it, I went there with boxes of stuff and I was selling stuff uh, quarter a book or five for a dollar. Right, and then I remember I was selling uh, like runs. Like you would do that kind of math for yeah. for like, you know, a quarter a piece four for uh, five for a dollar. But if I had like a 24 issue run, I would sell them all and I'd be like, all right, 24 full issues. And I'm just using number $20. You know I mean? You're getting right. uh, a break or whatever because you were getting a full run. So that kind of sweetened the pot, whatever. And people would just, you know, when you, when you, I, I highly recommend taking them. If you have like golden age bags, especially putting all like a bunch of them in it and with a post-it note or just a little piece of paper, write 
issues one to 24 missing issue three or whatever. And that stuff will go super fast. Cause they're like, yep. Oh, that's almost a whole, that's a, that's a big chunk. I could sit down when I get home and read, I don't have to, you know, look for, to fill in these, the holes in this. So right. that's was a good I, idea. Too. There was a con I went to, was I looking for the entire run of slingers? <laughs> right. But did someone have all 12 issues in a bag just like that for seven bucks? Yep. Yes. So I and bought like, it and I sat down and I read it and I got my $7 worth. Right. But we're talking about getting stuff out of the collection as opposed to bringing stuff into the collection. If you have a small local convention in your area, contact the people running and ask them how much it is to buy it, rent a table or table space or whatever it is. Right. Mm -hmm. Take that in consideration. Look at what you have. Go set yourself up. And I'll say this. Get there early. Get your stuff, get your stuff set up nice and early because you know what's going to happen. The other retailers are going to come and pick through your stuff. Oh, yeah. Thinking you're a dope and you don't know what you have. Mm -hmm. And they're going to pick through those boxes and you're going to move so much of your stuff. Just from yep. the other dealers there buying your stuff thinking you don't know what you have. Mm -hmm. And don't let them know that you do know or don't know. Just give, just let them give you your money and let them take the books from your hands to their hands. Yep. Let them laugh that they got you. It doesn't matter. But this all says you have to do your research to what you have before you do it. Right. Like, like don't like, oh, I have the new hot issue from the last seven years. Like whatever, like a Miles Morales' first appearance. Like you don't leave that in there, but you get what I'm saying, you know? So. Now, as for like donating to like a library and stuff, more times than not, a library is not going to take single issues. Mm -hmm. But if you have trades, graphic yep. novels, or hardcovers and stuff that you're looking to get rid of, keep in mind age appropriate. Um, you know, and obviously if you do have stuff that would be leaning more toward mature readers, you may want to let the people that you're donating them to know what they are, even if it does clearly stated on the book. You don't want to be known as the guy or girl who dropped off smut at the local library. <laughs> right. But I mean, like they said, like as long as you're doing adult themed and when yeah. I say adult themes, I don't mean, you know, adult. I mean like Sandman or Swamp. Yeah. Like they know what they're getting. Um, that would be a little bit different. But they will will take them because I've dropped off uh a lot of stuff at my library because I can't bring myself to throw away books at all. <laughs> so. Right. Uh, and I'm the same way. And then obviously. If you work in an office space or an area where they do the gimmick where they bring the kids in to, like, to do trick-or-treating around wherever it is that you work, or mm -hmm. you work somewhere where people come in to do trick-or-treating, comes trick-or-treating time, put a thing of comics out and say free for yep. Halloween, you know? Mm -hmm. um, if you have trick-or-treaters that come to the house, if you're a person that's going to do that this year, you know, get your more age-appropriate, all-ages-friendly sort of thing and Put that right alongside the candy. And I'll tell you, they'll take the comics more than they'll take the candy by the time they get to your house. Yep. The and that's house. the yeah. that's the important one that you have to make sure you sort through it for the all ages stuff. Yes. Yes, for sure. So hopefully, Chris, that answers you and a lot of other folks questions on how to purge through your comics. Right. In a satisfying way. You know, obviously, you can just throw everything in the dumpster and be done with it. Right. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> Uh, but if you're looking to get new stuff, of course, uh, and you don't have a good comic book shop in your area or a comic book shop, period, 
Let our comic book shop be your comic book shop. Comics on the Green. We have the link to their Facebook. That's where Dave and the crew do most of their social media. Uh, when the new arrivals are in, when the new what the new hot books are coming, so you have stuff ready to be pre-ordered. I've been seeing all the October stuff being pushed as we're getting close to final order cutoff dates for a lot of that stuff. Uh, sign up for their, subs- their mail order subscription service. You can get stuff mailed to you monthly, bi-monthly, weekly. And if you do, there's a chance, and I say this week's slim chance, that you'll get a sketch from our good friend Becky. You can go check out her social media uh, for her process, her commissions, her prints, and everything else like that. And I did see the other day that she did put something up that she's working on something, so leave her alone. Yes. That's done, I know for a fact. Oh, it is done? Okay. So bother all you want. Yes. Feel free. Annoy (laughs) her, please. I say. Uh, so, uh, let's get into what we read from this past week, sir. I'll, uh, let uh, you kick things right. off with, uh, the book you were most looking forward to coming out this week. Right. Which was Batman versus Robin written by Mark Wade, art by Mahmoud Azrar. Um, the book starts out, you get a nice little history of Bruce Wayne and his relationship with Damien, Damien Wayne. Um, and everything that's happened in the last couple of years. And apparently they've gone their separate ways recently. I was actually reading the book at the time. Um, cut to present at Wayne Manor. Bruce is there. He gets a mystery visitor, which is like one of the big um, kind of uh, shocking moments in this. That as it goes on, I'm kind of hoping isn't a fake out. And this is the way things are going to maybe shake out. And be permanent. Uh, I don't want to say too much, but uh, they end up going down into the Bat Cave to, to like, because Bruce is wary of something. And once he's there, Damien ends up attacking him. And he has a he has like two uh, helpers who are characters that you will know. One was a bit surprising to me. Uh, another bit of surprising stuff in this. Uh, and he ends up fighting him, saying he's you know for revenge. We don't know if he's. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, mind controlled or what's going on? Um, Batman and this other person get away barely because uh, Damien's like pulling no punches. And we end up finding out who uh, Damien is in league with. It's someone who is, or, you know, working for or controlled by, I'm not 100% sure, um, is, you know, magic related. So he has all that under his belt to take on the uh, world's greatest detective. Um, Like I said, I don't want to give too much away, but I really enjoyed this. I'm a big fan of Mark Wade. There was a bit where Batman goes to to Zatanna for help with all this and the creepiness, like uh, Schrodinger's like situation that he's has her in is like very, a horror uh, has a horror feel to it. Um, I really enjoyed this. I'm it's only three issues, but I feel like, this is bigger and more important than some random three issue miniseries, but time will tell on this. Yes. So it's so <laughs> difficult to tell uh, with as much Batman output that comes out. What, and as you said, means something and what doesn't mean something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously we're tiptoeing around the big hook of this and, it's on the first page, right? But that's not our place to spoil for you because it's not in the solicitations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously some of the characters that pop up in this that are surprising, the last page reveal, 
Um, it's very interesting to see where that is going to lead to. Um, and this was really good. Um, it's a very well-written book. It's very much in league with what's currently going on in the main Batman book, which, you know, kind of helps, you know, figure in with who and where these characters are. And again, not so much with Damien, at least I'm not reading like Damien's book. Does Damien have a book? Damien does have a book. Uh, He had an ongoing that I was reading in the beginning. And he was off, you know, traveling the world. He had a fight with, as it says in the beginning of this, had a falling out with Bruce. So he's traveling the world. And I guess this is, I dropped it after about 12 issues. So I don't know what, what he was doing in the interim between that and this. Right. So it's just like, you know, obviously, you know, when you're crossing over with some of the other, you know, non-Batman books, uh, Damien just recently showed up in uh, Superman, Son of Kal-El, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, his appearance there doesn't jive with this appearance here. But that's okay. Timeline stuff, you know, who really knows exactly what and where in that regard. And all I could say in regards to this is it definitely feels as though, and Batman figures it out from the very beginning, that this isn't Damien. Damien's being manipulated. Something else is going on, and we need to figure this out. Because he's Batman, of course he knows this, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, I'm doing my best not to be spoilery in regards to this, right? Right. Uh, but as Todd mentioned, you know, granted it's a little bit more costly of a book because it's the Batman book and they can get away with that sort of thing, but it's 48 pages, it's only three issues. Um, at the very least, where we are currently with the first issue, it definitely feels as though there is going to be some importance to this book. Right, and also it looks beautiful because I will never, you know, besmirch his artwork. It's it's it looks fantastic, and it gives you like intense moments when it has to, you know. So always oh, yeah. I in tandem, man, because I always say if you don't have the, the the great art for a great story, it hurts it. Yes. So. So definitely check this out. Spoilers, you know, uh, spoilers being what they are, we're not going to get into those, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the other book that we read that I read, you did not read, uh, right. I'm sure, Dual Powerbomb, number four, uh, written and drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson. It's a sci-fi wrestling, fighting, grappling, swords and sorcery magic book in this, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, there is the Death Life Tournament being put on by Necroton, who is a big wrestling fan. So he has all these different people that do wrestling across the galaxies, compete in a tournament. Um, and the winners of the tournament get one wish. And a lot of everyone's wish essentially is to bring someone back to life. Uh, we get a little bit of, I guess, motivation for some of the other teams in the tournament. Uh, but obviously, we are focused on Steel and Sun, uh, who are the lead characters of the book. Um, again, I do forget. Uh, Lona, Steel, Sun, and... Oh, boy. I, I'm sorry. Uh, it's Cobra, Sun, and uh, U.S. Steel, Rose, Steel, Sun, tag team name. Um, there's a bit from the end of the second issue. I'm still not spoiling here. Uh, this is still a very beautifully drawn, action-packed, action-filled book. If you're a wrestling fan, you'll love all the stuff that's in here. If you're a fan of combat 
comic books, you know, kung fu comic books and so forth. This definitely has heart. Um, we do get uh, the information of a surprise entrant of the tournament who may also be in the tournament for the same reason uh, that uh, Yua and uh, uh, Cobra-san are in the tournament as well. And, you know, a lot of this is just, like, the partner relationship between Yua and Cobra-san. Obviously, Yua is a young girl. Cobra-san is a hard, grizzled veteran. Um, very akin to Mickey Rourke's character in The Wrestler. <laughs> that he may have been at the top of his game, and, you know, this might be his way to get back to the top of his game. As opposed to be doing, like, getting cut up with deathmatchy stuff, you know? Right. Um, but this continues to be one of my favorite books as it comes out. Um, a beautiful looking book, and obviously the wrestling hook is a big deal uh, for me to be enjoying this book so much. But I definitely think if you're not a wrestling person, if you give this book a chance, I think you will like it very much. It's a seven-issue miniseries. We're at the halfway point. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know. Just even go check out Daniel Warren Johnson's art and just to look how beautiful this book is. How beautiful in its violence it is. Right. Uh, I definitely think you would enjoy this very much. Right. And I do like, a, like se seems like the seven issue thing is the new way to go. I don't know. It's just weird uh, seven issue stories lately. Uh, yeah. You know, like, uh, you know, I think uh, Image is going to grant folks, you know, we're, we're coming off. Uh, I hate this place, which wraps up this month. And that was only five, you know, and I think it definitely depends on the creative team for sure. Right. Um, you know, I think you're you're seeing more fives and sevens as you are seeing fours, let's say. Right. But sometimes I feel like fives and sevens are f the first four are regular size and then five is almost double. So yeah. it'll be a six parter where a seven will be six normal size issues and seven will be two issues almost. So that makes it an eight issue trade. I don't know. It's just like sometimes I look to see what prices are on the last issue to see if you're getting a little extra bang for your buck to to make it a, a more usually printed trade, like the amount of pages. I get you. Right. Uh, but like I said before, definitely check this book out if you not already are. If you're waiting for the trade, you know, trade's not going to be out until after Christmas. So I don't know. Go buy the single issues now. So... Uh, so that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the pull post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home. However it is, you get your books before worn, before armed, know what's coming out this week. Uh, Todd and I attempt to guess what the others most looking forward to coming out this week. Todd is currently in the lead over me with six correct guesses. Uh, let's see, as we uh, enter the back half of 2022, he could extend that lead, Annie. Right. I don't know. I'm thinking maybe a push, but I'm looking at your list. And is the book you're looking forward to most a book that I know nothing about other than the creator? Uh, Donny Cates' Vanish, number one? Uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman's new creator-owned book at Image, Vanish. Uh, that is the book I'm most looking forward to coming out this week. And uh, I don't know. I think it's the book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week as well. Yes, it is. Yes. 
Um, yeah, so uh, this is one of those things where Donny Cates is a guy, I'll check out his stuff, like a Jason Aaron, uh, you know, like a Jeff Johns used to be, uh, Daniel Warren Johnson is on that list now of people that I'll just check stuff out. I couldn't tell you what this book was about. Right. Um, I just know it's uh, written by Donny Cates and it's art by Ryan Stegman, a creative team that I like very much. From, you know, going back to whether it be their stuff on Venom, whether it be their stuff on Thor, uh, you know, Donnie Cates' crossover, all of that stuff. I go back to Thanos, man. Donnie Cates' Thanos was so good. Yeah, that's right. He did the Thanos miniseries after the Jason Aaron one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, again, getting uh, following a big-name creator like that when you may not have as big as a name um, – it's a it's a way to very quickly sink or swim if you don't got the chops, you know. Yep, yep. Uh, and I think Donny Cates definitely did. And uh, you know, there's a book that, as as Todd mentioned, both of us are very much looking forward to coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so while you're over at LongboxHeroes.com, of course, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done together, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, or the current ongoing. Uh, placement for Todd and Joe have issues, uh, AKA Todd and Joe go rogue, AKA the silver standard, AKA the battle for second place, uh, where we all know the flash has the best rogues gallery in all of comics. Uh, we're trying to figure out who has the second best rogues gallery in all of comics. Is it Batman? Like Todd thinks, or is it Spider-Man? Like I think we put together uh, a list of some of the worst of the worst villains. Side note, uh, you mentioned before, uh, your whatnot, and I think you're going to mention a little bit later on uh, in regards to Todd's art attack, your t- your precious TikTok. <laughs> yes, I'm a uh, big TikTok guy. There's a guy that my kid watches on TikTok uh, who talks about, you know, like the Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff and the movies, right? Mm-hmm. And he talked about like, oh, in one of the next upcoming Spider-Man or Batman movies, and it was so funny that he said Spider-Man or Batman. <laughs> that they should take one of the bad villains from those characters <laughs> and make them the main villain of one of the movies. And then he starts naming off a bunch of bad villains. And I'm listening to my kid watch this TikTok, right? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't even tell you what villains it was, but it was like, it was the safe bad villains for both. Oh, like not the real bottom of the barrel ones. Right. So I start telling my kid the real bottom of the barrel ones for, uh, I go, I go, it's so funny that you're watching this guy's thing. I go on the podcast, Todd and I are doing this whole thing throughout the course of the year. And I go, it's so funny that it's Batman and Spider-Man. I didn't get into the whole, like whatever, but I just started naming off some of the bad Batman, bad Spider-Man villains and stuff. Mm-hmm. And my kid's like, what? And he go, I go, yeah, I go, those are people in comic books, right? They could be in a movie. They could be in a TV show. And some of them have even been in the cartoons. And he's like, no, you know? So he showed a little bit of interest in what I do. It was uh, <laughs> it was appreciative for just a little bit of time. Right. You were TikTok adjacent for one moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this past week, you, the listeners of this show, voted on uh, the matchup of... Kite Man, who was Todd's uh, number one golden boy for this tournament, uh, taking on Typeface, who I knew, again, listen, I know my uh, Spider-Man, I know my bad Spider-Man villains, and I'm not going to lie and say I wasn't a little nervous of him brushing up against Kite Man, (laughs) but uh, you, the listeners, uh, voted and voted correctly, and Typeface is moving on to the next round. 
Right. I think there's some site you can use to get extra votes. That's the only way, but I'm not going to argue it. I'm not, you know, I'm going to concede this one, but yeah, no, I, I was actually not shocked. Like, cause I was like, typeface is bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, Ooh, I was like a 70, 25 split. I thought it would have been closer. I uh-huh. honestly thought it would have been closer if I lost. But, oh, of course. Right. So this week, uh, you know, again, just the way the tournament works out, we're, you know, we are going to have a couple matchups where it is Batman versus Batman people and Spider-Man versus Spider-Man people. We just decided to let the tournament brackets play out as they may. Because um, if we had to readjust things <laughs> here in this round, then we'd have to readjust things in the next round of the next round. And we're just like, let it go, and we'll see how it goes out. You know, if the finals is two Batman guys, then I'll sit here and I'll eat my John Cena hat, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, again, I already got one guy uh, moving on to the Elite Eight, and I got a feeling I got another one this week. Uh, because this week's battle is on the Batman side, the Penny Plunderer, uh, taking on from the Spider-Man side, the Hypno Hustler. And all I have to say about the Hypno Hustler is he is the stereotypical over the top disco themed Spider-Man villain who was so bad that when Marvel decided to do a disco themed hero in Dazzler after the disco craze was done, they didn't even bother to dust this guy off to have him battle their disco themed superhero. That's because he was locked down at the spider offices and she was a mutant. So, Oh, yeah, because you really can't have the offices mixing back then, you know? No, that's why uh, Judas Traveler stayed where he was for so long, Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a lot of wheeling and dealing. I don't know how many times the ex-office had to mortgage their house. I don't know if it was one time, two times, three times. But they came up with the right number to get that cherry of a character in Judas Traveler to be the new big bad in the big X-Men story. That's right. That's right. He is a mutant. So, But uh, my uh, character, who, <clears throat> who I think is a, you know, a, a pretty crappy villain, um, he's the Penny Plunder. His no- name is Joe, C-O-Y-N-E, Joe Coin. So right off the bat, fantastic. And uh, his crime is he steals penny-related things. And I always say, like, what was a penny worth in 1947? So that makes it even lamer. And then he was the guy who had the giant penny that was in the uh, Batman cave that was his trophy. And then somewhere along the way they went, hmm, that was Two-Face's penny. You know, Two-Face famous for flipping his penny? Uh, and it's like you can't even keep the penny thing um yeah so who's who's out there robbing pennies in this day and age uh the u.s government is robbing us because it costs more money to to mint a penny than a penny's worth the penny plunderer pretty much sucks joe i will say the penny plunderer does suck and he did get a raw deal (laughs) that his only one claim to fame (laughs) that he was the giant penny that was the bat cave was robbed from him for for a much better, uh, much more over, as they say, character in the Bat universe. Right. But that will only be his second most humiliating thing that happens to him in his lifetime, as he will be soundly trounced by the hypno-hustler in this week's poll. Wouldn't it be more insulting if he won? No, I think it'll be, again, if it was a Batman versus Batman one, then yes, it'd be insulting if he won. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when he loses... Uh, Hypno Hustler is going to do the hustle on the penny 
in the Batcave right. to rub it in. Right. Also, I would like to say that uh, Penny Plunder was killed when Two-Face pushed the giant Penny over on him. So that makes it even worse. Generally. Right. But anyway, that's all I have on the Penny Plunder. And I will also say I have I have the most contemporary photos for both characters <laughs> right. uh, for this week's uh, the, the the voting show image. Just so you know. Good. Good. I was worried. I was worried. Yes. You'd be surprised on how few images, clear images of the Penny Plunderer there are. I think I would have to go mine them out of the old comic to get them mm. for you. I'd have to go into my collection and get my the comic he was in from 1947 and take a take a picture with my phone that I used to, uh, you know, doing the previewing the past show. It'd look good at least. Uh, I, I do have uh, I, I do have one thing that I could say about that, but I can't say it this week. I have to save it for next week. Oh, okay. I don't want to sway, uh, you know, anyone's feelings. Vote Hypno Hustler. Vote Penny Plunder. So speaking of uh, the images that we have for these folks and speaking of the old TikTok, Todd, did we have any uh, art attacks this week? We did have an art attack, two art attacks this week. And from uh, Concierge Comics, Dan, he ended up sending a TikTok in, which was new and scary to me because I don't do the TikToks. But he ended up uh, going and buying from Headlock Comics, I believe. They had a mystery bundle of prints. Um, and I guess you got six prints in the thing and you didn't know what they were. I'm not a big fan of uh, mystery box anything because I like to know what I'm spending my money on. But that's kind of cool. You got var- six various uh, uh, wrestling uh, prints. And I think he got a seventh one that was signed. Um, I'd play it, but, you know, I don't have the the streaming rights to his Twitter feed. So, um, but, yeah, I thought that was really cool that uh, that he got a bunch of prints that he really, really enjoyed. Yeah, and oh, go ahead. I was going to say that's it on that one. Uh, yeah, so like I said, I don't know, know nothing about no TikTok either. And the fact that he has his TikTok linked up to his Twitter, uh, apparently he's a sorcerer or a magician of some kind. Right, he's more technical than me, and I'm the technical guy on this show, so I don't know, Joe. But uh, also, uh, sent in was from Boy for D's Nuts, is a good Twitter name. Um, I present this commission by David Latham of my favorite X-Man, and it's Colossus. And that is a beautiful, sweet, smooth uh, Colossus. Very, very classic. When I, th- when I think of Colossus in the classic, you know, Burn Claremont era costume, um, that will be my Colossus. And that is a beautiful, beautiful piece. Love it. Yep. Very good. Uh, Colossus, not my guy, but... Again, that's instantly recognizable, um, not even so much for his logo right behind him, you know? Right. It was. It's weird seeing individual X-Men with their logos because I always forget they, they each have their own logo, if you know what yes. I mean. But, so that's cool. Uh, but just as we're talking here, uh, I am looking at uh, what Dan put up with those prints that he got. And uh, a lot of those are uh, definitely a lot of fun. And uh, one of them that he got was a, a print signed by uh, a favorite of yours in Blue Mittens. Yes, yes. And then he got one blank one, so that was sad. Because mm. you couldn't see anybody on it. Oh, I get what you're saying. He he did the bit. I'll give him the credit. So, But yeah, oh, okay. I thought that was funny. I you're, thought stealing, that was funny. You're, you're ladling his warmth, yes? Yes. Hey, but you know what? I look at all, all tweets and my mentions are writers working for me. So, Gotcha. 
So, uh, hey, I'd say it's probably too late to sign up for the NFL pigskin pickums as we are uh, two weeks in already. But uh, Todd, uh, you're in second place. That's right. I'm one point away from the Ginger Avenger, and I'm coming on strong. And I would be further, I believe, if I didn't listen to certain helmet co-hosts who were feeding stuff into my ear about what I should think about teams. And I, and I listened to them. So, uh, and I made a few mistakes. Otherwise I know I'd be number one with a bullet, Joe. Mm. Well, you know what? Uh, let's see uh, where he is uh, on, on the listing here. <laughs> oh, he's tied with me for 11th place. Mm, and I'm sure when he hears this wink, he's going to go crazy. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, Todd is, like I said, uh, granted you're knotted up with like four other people for second place, but I'd say this early in the season, uh, that's a pretty good place to be, you know? Right. You don't want to be down, you know, four, five, six places. It's hard to make up that ground as the weeks go on, you know? Right. Start strong and fail later. That's Todd's motto. And I will say, I'm going to guess that they're probably not a, um, avid listener of the show since they're name is just a bunch of numbers that they already forgot to do their picks for week two. So, yeah, I have a feeling that, uh, some of these, I always stand by that. If you create a group that there's a robot from ESPN that will enter your group just in case you're lonely and have no friends. Do you know what I mean? Oh, you think so? I honest, I wholeheartedly believe that, uh, they, that ESPN randomizes and makes stuff so they could, you know, fill out groups in places. Interesting. But I have no proof on that. But That's an interesting theory is all I'll say, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, again, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, as mentioned, be sure to check out our store where you can buy uh, shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them. Uh, you can go sign up for our Patreon, patreon.com slash longboxheroes. Uh, for a dollar a month, you get two bonus shows for myself and Todd. One, looking at the films of independent filmmaker Mark Pirro. Um, the other, previewing the past, where we look at 30 years ago, this month's previews catalog. Um, we're going to be coming up on trying to figure out what 2023's movie podcast topic is going to be. And we're going to be opening up that to suggestions on the Patreon, whether you're a Patreon, a patron of our Patreon or not. As long as you have a valid Patreon account, uh, you would be able to contribute into the poll. And maybe that'll be convincing you to go sign up for the Patreon. Uh, You also get the scans of those previews that we'll be discussing. High quality, expertly done uh, scans of those previews catalogs. And at the $5 and up level, you get those two monthly bonus shows before everyone else. And you also get uh, Long Box Heroes After Dark two days before everyone else. In the correct listening order. Yes. Uh, also, you can help us out by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon affiliate link. It's the banner at the top of the page at longboxheroes.com. Does not cost you anything extra. They, Amazon, call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this week include Best Pet Supplies Dog Poop Bags. Ooh. Ziploc sandwich and snack bags. I hope they don't mix those up. Right. Well, let me continue. Count of 90, uh, along with hefty slider storage bags, count of 78. 
don't get those three mixed up. Right. That could be bad. And then uh, somebody purchased a big giant uh, 50 count pack of the glad round disposable paper plates with the white and the blue floral. It's what everyone imagines when you think of the higher end paper plate. And uh, I do thank you for making any and all of those purchases with us. Right. And also someone who or people who have their uh, comicsology hooked up through the Amazon. Uh, they somebody bought Mindset number three, which I don't know what that is off the top of my head. Amazing Spider-Man number nine, Seven Sons number four and the Jurassic League number five. And like I said, I always love to see what people are reading when they buy through the through the the Amazon click through. And I'll, I'll say this, uh, I, I am a longtime Spider-Man uh, fan, especially Amazing Spider-Man. It's the flagship book. Nay, some would say it's the flagship, the flagship book of all of comics. Um, that issue nine is the beginning of their crossover with the X-Men stuff. Right. So double up on all the issues you're buying, right? Hmm. Uh, a lot of, a lot of unfamiliar faces in this book is all. Mm-hmm. And they, they try to do a little gimmick at the beginning where they're like, oh, we're going to spend these three pages trying to get you caught up on. You know, the the Hellfire Gala and Krakoa and the interpersonal relationships and why Moira McTaggart is a bad guy now and why Mr. Sinister is a good guy now. Right. I and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just sit over here and read my Spider-Man book. Right. I just want to say somebody sent me in my DMs today and it was Chris, Chris Runt of all people, you know, like he, we know him and he sent in, he's like, I know you're not reading, uh, acts, uh, judgment. He goes, but I thought this might appeal to you. And I don't know what's going on, but somewhere in the book, someone's appearing in there. Uh, they're, they're finding out if, if they pass the test or whatever. And he's like, I appear to Victor Von Doom and give him a simple challenge. Say that Reed Richards is smarter than you and you will pass. He laughs. And then he laughs some more. Then he turns and leaves. He passes himself, and I concur. And I was like, that writer gets Vector Von Doom, Joe. Uh, and not a lot of people do, you no, know? And I, and I kind of want to check that issue out just for that now, you know? Uh-huh. But. Eh, good luck reading an X-Men comic. No, uh, you know what? You're right, you're right. I saw a friend of mine on, on social media today lamenting um, with all the different volumes of X-Men, not uncanny, just X-Men. Like, where does one begin and one end? Like, if you're trying to put them in, like, chronological order, like, <sighs> right, you know what I mean? He's like, I, he goes, the, the and I know you're going to be surprised by this as well. He said that the Marvel website was no assistance with this. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and he was really trying to figure it out, and... Uh, <laughs> He got a lot of people who were very confused and no, no one person was 100%, you know? Yep. Yeah. That's not a good sign. No, I think that tells you everything you need to know in regards to, uh, our friends, the X-Men, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's it we got for the main show. Yes? Yes. All right. Uh, let's get into, uh, TV talk, what we watched last week, uh, which was the, latest uh episodes of she hulk and star girl and i'll let you kick things off if that's okay with you right she hulk then so uh 
She-Hulk. So as as we last saw She-Hulk, Titana has trademarked uh, the name of She-Hulk, and she's doing like all these uh, beauty products, which angers uh, Jen. So she uh, goes off to you know see her at her place of business, and she gets there and finds out that maybe all these. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, products, maybe just an opportunity. <laughs> um, so she goes and she gets her friend to, uh, to, to go to their law firm and they get uh, Mallory book for the attorney, you know, and they're not really friends, but she ends up taking it. And she says, well, at least you're smart enough not to have yourself, uh, for a client, you know, don't be your own lawyer and stuff like that. So she ends up using uh, the situation that she has to prove that Jen used She-Hulk uh, as a as as a brand for herself because earlier on she was like, oh, this name was given to me by a random person on the news, and it stuck, and she was kind of pushing herself away from it. So she ends up, oh, well, we have to figure out how, and they end up realizing that she used the She-Hulk as a dating uh, app and she used it multiple times. So they end up bringing in all her bad dates in a bit of like comic relief of just like humiliating Jen. Uh, but in the end uh, it works and she ends up getting the She-Hulk uh, trademark back. And while all this is going on, uh, Pug and Ramos decide to go and get her clothes because she's like always in the, you know, the, the, the plain Jane, uh, pantsuits and stuff like that. So they go find the local superhero, um, Taylor, and they end up visiting him and get him to design suits for her. But as they get there, they have to go through the, the knockoff people. So then to get to there to buy some Avengers merchandise and I was waiting for the joke where um, they're like, oh, I'll take the whole ensemble. And I was waiting for Avengers Ensemble instead of Avengers Assemble. But that joke never really showed up. And in the end, we kind of get uh, the, the thing where she's going to get her new suit. We don't see it, but we also see that there is a certain uh, mask to a certain uh, hero. All right, Daredevil. Um, there. And uh, we're probably going to see him very, very soon in the uh, the show. Why do I feel the Daredevil appearance was spoiled, like, as episode one was rolling out? Um, I know you don't watch a lot of commercials. I don't. But he was straight up in the advertising, like, in the rotations. As I was watching TV, it would be like, uh, She-Hulk Attorney at Law coming to Disney Plus in three weeks. And they would just have a daredevil land on the roof of a building and just like kind of like squat like look into the camera and i'm like okay daredevil's in this like no ifs ands or buts yes uh so i i like this episode again i love the fact that this show is so sitcommy right mm -hmm. that for jen to win her case she has to go and like embarrass herself on the stand in regards to all the bad dates that she got trying to um you know get dates or be with men off the She-Hulk name. Right. And like, then they read her dating profile, which part of it is the episode title, uh, <laughs> which is mean green and straight poured into these jeans. 
Mm-hmm. And there's all these other things about like uh, having a strong back and a reinforced king size bed and all these other things, which is very much not Jen, but definitely the confidence that She-Hulk gives her. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she talks about like how her hair looks great as She-Hulk and all the other benefits being She-Hulk gets. And I love how over the top and made up and it's not Titana from the comics, but it works in the context of this show. Uh, I love the the costume designer person and the layers that they have to go through to get to that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is fun and fantastic. And maybe someone who's a little bit more... This maybe is our most contemporary episode because we've mentioned the TikTok, we've mentioned the whatnot, <laughs> and uh, there's also a YouTube series and there's a meme from it. Have you ever seen or heard a guy uh, saying uh, in a very exaggerated way, emotional damage? No. Okay. So it's a meme, it's out there, but it comes from a YouTube series where, have you ever seen like these YouTube or TikTok series where one person is playing multiple parts in the thing? Yes. As the camera cuts, they're supposed to be a different person, whether or not they're wearing a different outfit. Maybe a wig, right? Right. Uh, so uh, there was a series of uh, of those videos by this creator whose name I do not know off the top of my head, where he goes into a store and he wants to get a Pepsi. They don't have Pepsi. They have the knockoff Pepsi. He wants to get Captain Crunch. They have the knockoff Captain Crunch, right? And the name is always just like a little bit off, right? Mm-hmm. He goes, there's one where he goes to a comic book store and they don't have the Avengers, but they have the Avengers. And if you don't like the Avengers, we have the Avengers, which is right out of that video that they have those knockoff shirts. That was from this like 17 million views YouTube video, you know? So DC is going to collect those checks on that person? Well, again, I don't think the guy was like showing any sort of imagery. It was just a guy saying the words of things. He wasn't like marketing anything or, you know, what I mean. He basically wrote for free for the. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which Uh, I thought was I thought was cool. And there we do know that there's going to be a Vonger shirts, right? Yes. Uh, So there and maybe, you know, this and maybe you don't like whenever any of these Disney shows go up from Mm -hmm. the very beginning of them, there's merchandise that rolls out for every episode. Oh yeah, and that and even the that's figures literally st- episode specific mm-hmm. to like by the time the episode like the episode comes out and that next morning, the the Marvel online store is just filled of like uh, it was Agatha all along merchandise, <laughs> right? You know, yes, just to, just to use that as a specific thing, you know, like that was such. And again, I were we're like three Disney series is removed from it. We've already got. Uh, the Doctor Strange movie with Scarlet Witch in it, so we could throw the Agatha thing out there. But I'll just never forget, like, I watched that episode, and then the next morning, it was just like, you want a shirt, you want a Funko Pop, you want a coffee mug, you want anything <laughs> with the official, it was Agatha all along branding on it, you know? Yep, yep, they know what they're doing. Yeah. And two other things that I really liked 
in the episode was, uh, well, not liked. The one thing that made me definitely sad was poor Ched was running that She-Hulk opportunity and he probably got stuck with all that unsigned merch. Yes. (laughs) That made me laugh. I've never saw someone who worked for Best Buy run an opportunity before. No? No. But then the I wonder if Ched got his PayPal locked for doing too many opportunities. (laughs) Right. So, and then the other thing was the subplot of getting She-Hulk to close was Nikki and Pug um, go and they have to go. But her favor, uh, the favor from Pug is he has to stand, she has to stand in line to get him the the Mark III, the Iron Man three shoes. And did you see the art on the, like, you know how they do the different art at the end of every episode to like, it's like the, the, they have the ones that stay the same, but in between them, they're ones that are pretty much about this episode. Yeah. So they had the one where they go for the sneakers and they're holding the the Iron Man 3 sneakers. And then on the wall, there's Moon Knights, there's like Captain America, whatever. But there was a pair of Thing sneakers drawn there and there was Deadpool sneakers. And Dan Slott was on Twitter. He's like, I can't wait for the 70,000, you know, clickbait articles about like the Easter eggs, how the thing is an official canon now because his sneakers were in a drawing at the end of the credits of She-Hulk Attorney at Law. And I'm like, he's not wrong. No. But this was the first episode without like an official like post or mid credit thing. I don't think so. I think only the first Two or three had them. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, they kind of stopped. So Yeah. Uh, what else was I going to say? And I also like the phrase drip broker. Yeah. I, uh, that always, I don't know. I guess I'm old because drip anything sounds bad to me. Right. So. I know they uh, recently sold at Disney uh, Mickey and Minnie drip. Uh ears that you can get okay and uh i don't think whoever picked the color choice on the mickey or the mini drip ones Mm -hmm. uh made a good decision well i mean you are the king of disney merch so i don't know i haven't seen anything like it i'm still trying to find the uh it was agatha all along stuff okay that like i said that's you know however many episodes deep on the Disney store of uh, or the Marvel store on Disney uh, one-off Marvel shows, you know? Right. Uh, so, yeah, She-Hulk is still a lot of fun. I'm still enjoying it quite a bit. Um, and what do we got? One more episode? Two more episodes left? I'm not sure. I want to say it's eight or nine on that. Mm. And I just pulled down all my information on She-Hulk, so. Uh, yeah, you're right. Nine episodes. Holy cow. Look at that. Yep, which is funny because I, before we get into Stargirl, because then that means we'll have, what, She-Hulk running alongside Stargirl, running alongside Andor? Yes. And Andor may drop a few episodes early. Yeah, Andor's dropping three, and then that Tom's Guide guy that I was telling you about, he already has a review up of the first four episodes of Andor. Right. So I usually, like I said, the only reason I knew it was definitely three was because my social media is like, has the promoted from Disney plus tweets. You know what I mean? That's the only thing I trust anymore. So a promoted tweet, a promoted tweet from a multimedia conglomerate is the only thing I trust. That's as sure as anything, Joe. Yeah. Money in the bank right there. Ugh. Uh, anyway, so yeah, we'll, we'll have, we have a lot to watch for next week's episode. Hopefully there's no comic book news. Right. 
Uh, so we have Stargirl to discuss here as well. Um, we are in the uh, midst of this, the frenemies season, as uh, the JSA are attempting to figure out uh, who killed the gambler. Uh, Cindy is trying to hack into his computer. Now, are we to believe that Cindy is the one that killed him? I think that's what they're trying to say, but then there's some B-roll of somebody, uh, you know, clenching his leathered fist and growling. Yeah. Watching everybody over the TV. So I'm, I, I'm like, is that the, that's probably the person who killed them, but are they in cahoots with Cindy? I don't know. And they're, so I'm, uh, okay. And again, we're going to be all over the place with this one. Cause there's a lot of like moving parts and a lot of the little plot lines and stuff. And I'm just talking about Cindy here. Uh, I definitely think Cindy was the first one on the scene. Mm-hmm. And the person who did uh, kill the gambler, who is that person that Todd mentioned, who's watching everything uh, growling, and is also the person who attacked Joel McHale at the end of the episode. Right. Um, not Cindy. But I definitely think this person who did this to the gambler may not have thought to grab the laptop. And it just so happened that Cindy was the first one there, saw the laptop, and was smart enough to grab it. Right. Um, she is, she was able to get into some of the gambler's, uh, computer and was able to get information off to the rest of the JSA, uh, specifically to Beth that the gambler had been blackmailing the Crocs, Mm -hmm. but she can't get into the rest of his computer because it's super password protected. Right. And in no way is his password 777. And is no way is password 777, Don. Yep. Because I keep watching uh, <laughs> on a loop the gambler coming to his trailer and dancing. Right. To the Chaka Khan song from the beginning of episode two. Yes. 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 I am. Uh, I am enamored with that song now. And I'm enamored with like his, like the way he talks, you know, the, the Colonel Sanders accent and everything. Um, but when he's like, Oh, lucky number seven, he opens up the thing seven, seven, seven. I'm like, you can't figure out his password. Okay. Well, she's I not mean, watching the same episodes that we are. Right, but I have a feeling she has access to all, like, the way she's going to find out is she has access to all the feeds now, and she's going to see him open up the briefcase to 777, and that's what's going to click, you know what I mean? Which I'm actually surprised she hasn't looked to see maybe on those feeds if, you know, he opened up the computer, you know, maybe you could see it, I don't know. Cindy's not very smart. No. No. Uh, So she sends that information off to Beth, and Beth gives that information to the rest of the JSA. Uh, The rest of the JSA are like, okay, we need to kind of handle this with kid gloves, (laughs) not go off and just, like, go beat up the crooks, the crocs, because we have this information. Um, But because that's what ends up happening, Cindy has to get the ball rolling and takes it upon herself to specifically tell Joel McHale who goes and confronts them at the serial numbers filed off Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> right. Uh, and I will say the fight scene in the grocery store was really awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was really well done. It was really good fight choreography. Uh, the, the minimal CGI that they used was very well masked. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, if you do get a chance, and I think they put these up on like CW.com like a day after they go out live. Uh, that they air or whatever. I don't know if that fight scene is just isolated somewhere on YouTube. Probably will be. Yeah, definitely check that out. Uh, But it turns out that while 
the gambler was blackmailing the crooks for reasons that we don't really know for sure. Um, right before he came back to Blue Valley, he stopped blackmailing them and paid them back all the money that he had blackmailed them for. for. Right, because everybody thought, well, oh, the gambler's still up to his old ways. And they're like, no, he actually did stop. But what he was blackmailing them for was other cr- crimes that nobody had pinned on them. It was other g- members of the ISA. That's right, like, that's right. And they said, well, with most of the ISA dead, who's who are we going to be able to, like, who's going to take the fall? We're just, we might as well pay. Yes. And so that's kind of what they did. Um, so that's really much the main story. And this is when um, Luke Wilson has a talk with uh, Joel McHale mm-hmm. and says, hey, man, you got to knock it off. Um, you know, you have to find a purpose. I know your whole life was Starman. And they're trying to find him a job as well, which is like a weird subplot. I'm not really sure where that's going. Right. Um, but this um, prompts Joel McHale, as we mentioned moments ago, to go off on his own to investigate the location of the murder of the gambler. And that's when an unseen force comes out of nowhere, takes Joel McHale up into the skies, beats him up a bunch, and then drops him, leaving him seemingly for dead. I'd say that's your A story, right? Right. There's a lot of other B stories, and your mileage may vary with any and all of those. Right. I will say the one that I kind of do like is still the, the, the burgeoning relationship between Paula, a.k.a. Tigress, and Barbara. Yes. That is so much fun. Like, she's like, oh, now I'm here and I have to go to the local, like, it's not the PTA meeting, but whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, it, right. Like the Women's Chamber of Commerce or like right. Rotary Club. It's the Rotary Club. That's what it right. is. And I don't even know what a Rotary, like, when she shows up and she's like, a Rotary Club. I don't even know what they do. And I'm like, I don't either. <laughs> so. Like, but I thought that was kind of cool. I do like the fact that we get um, some of Zeke's backstory. He gets a little bit of an origin story about how he like became in charge of the salvage operation. Yeah, that was fun. So that's kind of cool. But um, a couple of things I do like. I will look every season and or every couple episodes of the season to see what's playing at the the the, the movie cinema. Yes, and it's Nathaniel Dusk who's like a DC character who appeared in the eighties. So I, I always pop for that kind of stuff. Um, and on the fight in the, in the, the piggly wiggly, I'm sorry with the f- numbers filed off uh, the fight. There's a lot of stuff going on with Joel McHale that is making me not feel like Sylvester Pemberton. It's making me feel like Jack Knight. Okay. Because he's like, all right, I'm going out during the day with this staff and that's part of my rules. I get it during this time of the day. And he's like, and I'm not even wearing the costume anymore. He's just wearing a leather jacket. And then when he was fighting the, the, the Crocs in the store and he does the bit where he has the, 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 the cosmic staff on his back, laying down his arm and he's shooting it. That is so Tony Harris, uh, Jack Knight, it's ridiculous, and I absolutely love it. And then I thought for a second he was going to get – they were using the welding goggles on Stripe, which was what Tony Harris – or not Tony Harris, but uh, Jack Knight wore. And I'm like, I'm wondering if they're kind of veering it into him. I'm wondering if he's living in the past so much that he's going to get, like, uh, a junk store, if you will, and become the Jack Knight character. I think that's a like that's something that I didn't even think of. You know, like I said, you know, obviously we talk about like um, your Sandman's, your preachers, your stuff like that from that DC era. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think Sandman, I think, or Sandman, Starman, I think I only read through like three times. Right. So obviously, like, these things aren't going to hit. But now that you say them, like, such, like, little subtle things. Because honestly, what was Sylvester Pemberton's character in the comic books? He was star of Stars and Stripe. Right. He wasn't, he was, he might have been Starman for a hot second. Yeah. But he's never going to be remembered as Starman. But I think they're afraid to use Jack Knight because, mm-hmm. and I don't want to say, because Jack Knight is super cool. You know what I mean? And you don't want to upstage Courtney at all. Courtney's cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you don't want two super cool people. You got to have one who's slightly less, if that makes any sense. So. Right. But w- so what I'm what I'm saying is with you bringing up all these things is that in the comic books, Sylvester Pemberton and most characters from the 40s and 50s were bland one note characters. And their character was who they're, what they what they were as a superhero. Right. Or their their civilian job. Right, or their civilian job. Whereas you're you once you get into the 80s and more so into the 90s and then more so into the late 90s, where characters become like more three-dimensional, like a Jack Knight character, and it's like, well, we need to have him be named Sylvester Pemberton so it fits in with the legacy JSA characters from there. Mm-hmm. But if they gradually just give him all of Jack Knight's attributes, I think that's where they're going now that you say it. Yep, yep. Like and I him, totally, and, him and Zeke are going to open up like uh, an antique store. Yep. Whatever. You, uh, I, I can't think of what you would call it, like a pawn shop. Like, yeah. Yeah. And that's where I think they're going because he keeps talking about he keeps living in the past. Uh huh. And he's like, what do I know? You know what I mean? Maybe that. And I've, I've always said, I totally concur what you said on like the pre, even pre like, like in the Silver Age, the bronze is kind of where it starts. And that's why Barry Allen is so boring. Yes. Because Barry Allen died in 86 when that was starting to happen. And all the other heroes like Hal Jordan and and and, and Wonder Woman and all of them, they get their little tweaks in the 80s. They don't bring Barry back till 2000. They're like, he was a guy who was boring and was a forensic scientist. What do we do with that? And that's why he's never worked to this day. Because even Jeff Johns was like, it's too little, too late. To give him a personality. And that's why I'll always be a Wally guy. I'm totally with you on that that era of hero becoming different and getting personalities. Yeah. So. And, you know, you get little bits with all the other characters. Um, you know, obviously there's no Jakeem and the Thunderbolt in this episode. And <laughs> Mike is just kind of there, like, watching as everyone does whatever they're doing because he has no powers. Uh, Beth's parents are super overbearing. Uh, Yolanda is looking for acceptance as her place as Wildcat and Rick and Cameron uh, is the least um, interesting subplot in the show. And I hate whenever it comes up. Right. I will say this. The Rick and Cameron one, I kind of liked when Cameron got in the teacher's face and he stood up for her. Just because storytelling wise, she was the one who found out about Rick's uh, abusive uncle and yeah. came out to the to the house to try and save him. And yes, Rick did push her away, but in the end, he ended up like respecting her for that, even though she's the mean teacher. And when Cameron did it to all like of all people to her, uh, Rick came in and stood up to her. And I'm like, as weak as it is, it is the weakest story in all of it. Um, I kind of liked it because at least it was well written over the court. Like 
it was thought out, not well written, but you know what I mean? So I was like, all right, it makes sense. And I liked it. Uh, the Beth parents thing is starting to get there where it's super annoying. Yeah. Um, and I can't think, oh, and the other thing is the Crocs breaking into the houses, uh, the, just walking into their house. Cause they don't lock the door of uh, Joe. I got so mad when they threw the waffles in the garbage. I was like, if anybody walked into my house and threw what I was eating in the garbage and gave me kale or whatever it was. It was quinoa bowls. Oh, I, oh my God. It would have been bad, Joe. And I don't know if you, you don't know. I don't know if you know how cranky I can get, Joe. Oh boy. <laughs> um, so I'll say this. Those look like perfect Hollywood waffles, first and foremost. <laughs> they were so thick. They were so thick. Like each <laughs> waffle was maybe no exaggeration, like four inches thick. Yep, and there was only three on the plate. Right, and they were the size of a full plate. You know, mm -hmm. uh, these weren't like no Stranger Thing Eggo waffles. You know, no, these were these had uh, syrup troughs in them, Joe. Right, and somebody comes in my house and throws my waffles away. I'm not unless there's coffee grounds in that garbage can. <laughs> I'm going for them. I thought the same thing because they came in with a clean garbage bag. Yeah. And they threw it in. I was like, I'd go in. There's no syrup or anything on those yet. Right. Listen, I've eaten out. Listen, I've eaten. Uh, listen, eating out of a plastic garbage bag is no different than eating off, like, say, a plastic coated paper plate. Exactly. Right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, yeah, Stargirl's been a lot of fun. She-Hulk's been a lot of fun. Uh, gonna watch Andor this week. Have a feeling the streak of fun might be over. What the little spy who was held down by the Empire and had a tragic life? That's not gonna be as uplifting as uh, She-Hulk. Yeah, you know, I don't think it's gonna be light, uh, and I don't think it's gonna be as up tempo as these other two shows. Mm -hmm. um, Though I do think they need to bring the gam. They need to give the gambler his own prequel. That's all I'm gonna. You say. You think so? Yeah, and I wonder what theme song they should use, Joe. Maybe the Kenny Rogers one. I'm really shocked they never used that, by the Is way. Is Chaka Khan still alive? I want to say that Sugar Song is a new song. Oh, you think so? Yeah, I'm 90% sure, but I could be wrong. You have me looking I, that up. I only ask because um, if she is still alive, I would have her do a remake of The Gambler. Right. Ooh. Uh, yeah, they just had uh, that song was on an album called. Uh, it's about four years old, so I'd say that's relatively new. Yeah, yeah. So good for her, you know. I say new enough to be new. Yep, may may become my new ringtone. By the way. Oh my goodness! I have a ringtone maker that could do that. So. I hear. But. All right, so everyone, I think that's it, right? We didn't yeah, miss anything. All. Nope, that's everything that I can think of. I recorded the show. Uh, it's going to sound better. I am not going to promise or guarantee. I'm just going to state that. Right. And uh, yeah. So, hey, everyone, thank you very much uh, for listening to episode whatever this was of Longbox Heroes. I don't have my notes immediately in front of me. Uh, episode 624 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying we will catch you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain.
You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network. 